Welcome to the Living With Chronic Illness Podcast. I'm Mariel Metcalf, Head of Living With at Research Partnership. In this episode, we will be discussing treatment options for eosinophilic asthma. We hope you find this podcast of value. And if you want to find out more, please visit researchpartnership.com forward slash living with. So Lynn, you've taken us through your experience about being diagnosed and how eosinophilic asthma impacts you day to day. I'd now like to talk to you about what you're doing in terms of coping with eosinophilic asthma. So first, may I ask, which doctor do you consider to be the main physician helping you with your condition? He's an asthma, allergy, immunologist specialist. Okay. And how often do you see this particular doctor? I was getting allergy injections, okay? Mm. But after I started on the biologic injections, we stopped that. I see him every 28 days for my injection. I see. Okay. So I guess that's not changed with COVID-19. That's just how frequently you see him. I know. Right. That has not changed at all. Honestly, the biological injection changed my life. And I feel like it saved my life. So I won't miss that, you know, going to them. I make sure that I get my injection. I see. Okay, so take me through how you came to be prescribed with a biologic. So may I ask you what biologic you're taking? I'm on Nucala. Nucala. Okay, so what was the process of being prescribed this biologic and how you eventually came to use it? Okay, well, you know, I told you that, you know, a lot of medications affect people differently. And we went through a lot of inhalers, that type of thing. And we found what works best for me. And then when we found out that I had eosinophilic asthma, we applied for it through my insurance company because it's expensive. And it was rejected originally. I did call my insurance company and told them, you know, okay, I'm going to die if you don't let me have this. And do you know why it was initially rejected? I think it's the cost. It's $3,000 an injection. I think they want a lot of proof to say that I'm going to put that out. And so I think that's why it was rejected at first. But then they approved it. And now I've been on it for a good three years. And it really has changed my life. And and there's others other than Nucala. So could I just take a step back when you said they did approve it? So what convinced them eventually to approve it? My doctor, he sent a letter in and told them about, you know, my health. And then I think calling the customer service. And I explained to them, my mother died from this. Mm. I watched her die. And I really think that they felt bad for me. And they said, wait a minute, I'm writing all this down. I'm writing all this down. (laughs) So that they can give it to the underwriters, you know. And I think really that's probably what uh, did. And I tell everybody if they're rejected, because I belong to a couple support groups, online Mm. support groups. And I tell them, call yourself. Don't let your doctor do it all. I've said before, you've got to be your own advocate. And everybody has thanked me for that advice. That's good. So you said this treatment was life-changing. Could you tell me, how did the doctor explain it to you? What convinced you to try it? It wasn't hard to convince me to try it because (laughs) I was at the point where, like I said, I thought I was dying and Mm -hmm. I was going to try anything. All right. 
he explained to me what it was and why biologic injections are expensive. I had a lot of stress over it because I didn't know how much I was going to have to pay for a copay of it because if it was really expensive, I wouldn't be able to do it. And also, too, I was worried about side effects because when you take any of these, there's a lot of side effects. Hmm. And so I was very stressed out when I first took it. In fact, I went to counseling to try and talk out my, you know, my feelings on all of this, you know, to try and relax. Was this before you made the decision? You actually went to counseling to yes. talk through? Yes, uh -huh. oh. because I felt I was getting depressed. You know, I was depressed, and mm -hmm. I, I was just so anxious. And so I really felt that I had to talk it out with somebody, just somebody objective that can say, okay, mm -hmm. why don't you try this? Let's do that. You know, so I went into counseling for it, too. And I guess the result was good because you mentioned earlier it was life-changing for you. So talk me through that. Why do you say it was? I could breathe again. And it worked for me right away. I understand a lot of people, it takes a while. But for me, it worked right away. I was able to just stand up and breathe. I was able to go up and down a set of stairs. I wasn't afraid to go out anymore. I was afraid that if I went out of the house, I would have a bad asthma attack and I'd die on the spot. I was terrified of that. Yeah. So it just gave me the courage to get up and start living life again because I could breathe. It went through a lot of side effects. There's a lot of side effects when you take these. And I tell people, you know, live through it. I mean, put up with it. You know, do what you have to do because the bottom of it is you can breathe. I'm breathing again. What does that so mean for you when you can breathe? You mentioned you are not afraid to go out things like that. Were there any other things that you could do now that you couldn't have done before you had this treatment three years ago? I still was visiting my friends with animals because I thought, oh, I'm invincible now. I once had a friend that had a lung and kidney transplant. And that's what he felt too. He says after he got his transplants and, you know, he felt invincible <laughs> that he could right. live through anything. <laughs> and that's how I felt. I felt wow. invincible. <laughs> I would go to picnics, I would go to parties, things like that. But then also I found out that the injections are not the cure-all. You'll still have attacks where it'll get bad again. And so you do still have to go on the steroids. And steroids are a horrible thing to live on. That's another thing. You don't have to stay on the steroids with Nucala. I stopped my steroids because I was taking them every day. You mentioned that. So, yeah, so now it's yeah. more limited. It's only as and when it's needed. When it, and also with the nebulizer, when I feel it starting, I can use the nebulizer, which is a steroid too, but, <laughs> but I can catch it so it doesn't get bad anymore. So that's so, the positives there too. So would you say right now that you are managing your condition or you're successfully managing yeah. it? I feel that I'm successfully managing it, yes. And how would you characterize that success? Is it because you know the steps you need to do to control it quickly or because you That's have the... That's it, you know. Yeah. And I also, because I have a wonderful doctor that I can call right away, you know, and say, okay, this is happening. And one of the things when you take steroids, it aggravates the acid reflux. So he'll make me go over and I'll get a uh, steroid injection rather than go back on them because the steroid injection doesn't affect you as much as the pills do. Mm, I, see. So, I see. You learn to live with this, and you learn 
what's good, what helps you. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it's wonderful being able to, you know, have a life again. Of course, COVID has taken it away, but you know, you do you have a life again? And that's what that's what the important thing is. Yes, yes, absolutely. I just wanted to touch on, you know, it's administered every 28 days. You were saying so, no issues with that dosing schedule. That works well for you. That works perfect for me. I find out if something happens that I don't get them every 28 days, I can feel the onset of an attack. So I do make sure that I get my uh, injections. Yeah, yeah, I see. Okay. Aside from these medical treatments, are there other things that you do to cope with symptoms or avoid attacks, yoga, meditate, or things like that that are not really pharmaceutical treatments, but yet other ways to cope? You know what? I would love to do that, but I also have severe arthritis, and I'm in a lot of pain right now, and I need a hip replacement. So I'm waiting for that. I'm scheduled for that hip replacement, and after that, I hope that I can start being physically active again because I do miss that, too. But I make sure that I have air cleaners with the HIPAA filters in my rooms just to help out. You know, I keep my house cooler. You know, people come in and say, it's cold in here. I'll say, put on a sweater. Uh, (laughs) I'm a wonderful host. Uh, (laughs) I'm sure you are. (laughs) I do things like that to keep from having attacks. Now, my lawn man is here cutting my grass. I will not go outside. So all the windows are closed and, yes. Yeah, so I won't go outside because I don't want to breathe in cuttings and stuff like that. So, yeah, there are things I do. I really love to do some things more physical. One of the things I uh, signed up for, I got permission to do, is pulmonary rehab. That teaches you to breathe better, how to build up your muscles and your lungs so that you could be more active. But Uh that's been put on hold, too, because I have to have my hip replacement. Is that through your doctor that you signed up for that? For the rehab, yeah. Yeah. Ah, Okay. So if you could design an ideal treatment for eosinophilic asthma, so we're not talking about a cure, but if you could design one, what qualities would it have? Like how frequently do you take it? Do you take it orally or injection or what should it do to your symptoms? I think the only thing you can do is take it through injection. I don't think there's any oral treatment for it. That would be wonderful if there was. Or So we're talking about your ideal treatment, not what's currently out there. If you could design your own. I think, you know, orally would be wonderful. I think that it would take some of the fear of it away because everybody hates getting injections. I think the rehab, you know, pulmonary rehab is probably important. I would recommend that to everybody. I think that just being afraid of everything, making sure that people understand and so that they're not afraid, I think, you know, part of the fear of it, too, which stresses you out, which could bring on an asthma attack, too. Yes, yeah, we were talking about that earlier, about this weird cycle. I think that things like that, just understanding more about it, okay? Yeah. Okay. I think we'll touch on that as well in the next session. So thank you again, Lynn, for taking us through your experience today. In our next podcast, we will be talking about information and support related to eosinophilic asthma. So we hope you can join us for that session.